Abortion in the Church, a document of Evangel Presbytery. Chapter 2, Abortion's Assault Upon God's Character and Law. Section 5b, The New Testament's Condemnation of Pharmacaea. Advocates of permissive abortion laws commonly argue that Scripture never addresses abortion. Aside from disregarding the texts of Scripture enumerated above, they also take no account of New Testament passages which condemn pharmakeia. This is the Greek transliteration. And those who pay for these services. Words with this root occur five times in the New Testament. While the basic meaning of pharmac is, quote, drug, unquote, its derivatives have a broad semantic range encompassing, quote, poison, unquote, medicinal and psychotropic, quote, drugs, unquote, quote, potions, unquote, etc. These words often carry nuances of magic or the occult. Most significant for our purposes, though, Throughout the ancient world, these words referred to drugs, potions, and spells that were associated with abortions. And here there is an extensive footnote, and I'm going to just note to the listener that throughout this section of the document, there are a lot of footnotes, and they contain a lot of information that you might want to avail yourself of. But to do that, you'll have to go online and download the PDF of the full document to see those footnotes and their text. John Riddle, a pro-abortion Harvard scholar whose work has overturned prior assumptions about birth control in the ancient world, writes, quote, Some statements by the Christians indicate that they did not approve of drugs employed for birth control. In Galatians 5.20, Paul provides us with a list of sins of the flesh, and among them is the sin of pharmakeia, often translated into English as, quote, sorcery, unquote, or, quote, magic, unquote. This is the same word that Socrates, through Plato, had used in reference to birth control. Quote, drugs, pharmakeia, and incantations, unquote. Continuing his statement, there is likely a direct connection between the pharmacaea of the New Testament and the, quote, root poisons, unquote, of Hebrew literature, unquote. English Bible translations have had difficulty expressing the range of pharmacaea's nuances. It was not this way when Jerome produced his fourth century Vulgate. He translated this word into Latin as one ficium, and here the Latin closely matches the Greek, admirably preserving the choices possible among pharmacaea's variable meanings. In English, though, we have nothing close to these Greek and Latin words, so translations have overly emphasized the occult element. Translating pharmacaea as, quote, witchcraft, unquote, 
King James Version, or, quote, sorcery, unquote, more recent translations. Why have scholars translated pharmakeia as sorcery? In the ancient world, many of the categories we think of as distinct were blurred. This is particularly evident reading the medical authorities of the time. Like us, especially if they were what we might refer to as middle or upper class, they would consult a doctor about their illness, but unlike us, they might also hire a conjurer, someone with spiritual power who used incantations in conjunction with chemicals we today refer to as drugs. In other words, the line between medicine and magic was blurred in a way it isn't for us today. Moderns were tempted to sever the body from the soul, thinking medicine has only to do with the body. We congratulate ourselves on having arrived at a time when medicine is an entirely empirical science. Not so in the ancient world, where the spiritual and physical were inseparable. Commitments to specific deities of Greco-Roman polytheism varied over time, but overall, men were acutely aware of the spiritual. The Apostle Paul made this simple observation, Ephesians 6, verse 12, quote, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, unquote. Concerning conception and childbirth, the intermingling of flesh and blood and the spiritual forces of wickedness was not yet subjected to any post-enlightenment hermeneutic. The ancient world lived for children in a way our world finds incomprehensible. They had higher rates of fertility and mother and child faced much higher rates of death during childbirth. Childbirth was far more dangerous for them than for us today. But whereas a woman today would rest her confidence in all kinds of, quote, specialists, unquote, including her gynecologist, obstetrician, and midwife, in the ancient world, a single figure often performed these roles. For the upper and perhaps middle class, that might have been a doctor for the lower classes, more often it was a midwife, even a family member. Thus, when we consider the practice of pharmakeia, we must not think in modern medical terms, say, for instance, physicians and pharmacists. Pharmakeia did not include FDA-approved drugs whose agency and side effects were researched, graphed, and charted. It's more accurate to think of a shaman or medicine man, someone who is as connected to the occult as he is or she is to medicine. In other words, the biblical prohibition of pharmakeia was closely connected to the prohibition of the occult. In Greek, the terminology used to designate these figures is often ambiguous. A number of terms are used, including megaos, pharmacuse, and pharmakaos. Their semantic range is broad and overlaps. Such figures sold both drugs and incantations. They were as mindful of the spiritual 
as they were of the physical. For potions and incantations both accessed and manipulated the spirit world. For this reason, Scripture forbids pharmacaea to the people of God. God's people are to have nothing to do with magic, mediums, incantations, amulets, and potions. The members of Christ's church are not to make the slightest effort to access or control the, quote, secret things, unquote, of God, Deuteronomy 29.29. Manipulation of this unseen world is a crime among God's covenant people of the Old Testament, and the New Testament condemns these practices also. The book of Acts records the interface of such occult practices and practitioners with the Church of the Apostles. In its record of the conversion and subsequent sin, of Simon Magus. Quote, this is Acts chapter 8, verses 9 to 24. Now there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic, Magaon, in the city, and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, This man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts, Magaeis. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, He was constantly amazed. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, When Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered the money, saying, Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. But Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me yourselves, so that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Scripture does not explicitly designate Simon Magus as one who practiced pharmacaea, yet he may well have. It is not easy for us to be done with our lucrative past, so naturally Simon's temptation to continue profiting from manipulating the spiritual realm of secret things manifested itself immediately following his conversion. This temptation was also present in the church at large. Simon Magus was not a one-off, 
but representative of a larger danger among the people of God, and thus Scripture's New Testament condemnation of sorcery. Whether the manipulation of the unseen world was referred to as magia or pharmakeia. Thus far, we have unpacked the nature of pharmakeia in the ancient world, focusing on its usage by magioi and other occult figures. What remains, then, is to consider the specific instances of pharmac, words in scripture and related documents opening up the fact that, quote, witchcraft, unquote, and, quote, sorcery, unquote, don't give moderns a full enough picture of the sins being condemned. Most of us have never known a sorcerer. Such figures remain within the realm of fairy tales or Disney movies. We think of the old man or woman with a hat, maybe with a magic wand, maybe standing over a cauldron. But of course, we're sure such figures perish with the medieval world. Though the ancient Magois or Pharmakeos did use spells and lurked in the shadows, they were far more common than we might think, with wide swaths of society employing their services. More to the point, Pharmakeia included things we today do not think of as sorcery. Given the universal importance of the fruitful womb in the life of man, few things were more subject to the desires to employ magic or occult control through pharmacaea than sex, marriage, conception, and childbirth. And this desire for control was both positive and negative. Women desired to possess a man as their husband or lover. Women desired to conceive a child. Women desired their child to be born safely. But women also desired a lover other than their husband, as well as the prevention of their own conception and birth of the children they were carrying in their womb. Further, evil women employed magic's potions and incantations for the purpose of destroying other women's marriages, conceptions, and safe childbirths. Thus, pharmacaea was bound up with love, sex, and childbirth. In a world where the processes of life and death were recognized as obscure and under the God's control, those who could manipulate the levers of such divine powers also dispensed the pharmaca. These men and women, then, had a specialized and often occult trade. They were marginal figures bearing some resemblance to yesterday's medicine men or snake oil salesmen, or today's theosophists, practitioners of mindfulness and yoga, naturopathic and holistic doctors and faith healers. In the ancient world, those intent on preventing pregnancy or aborting their children purchased their potions from similar marginal figures. Statistics on this are unavailable, but sources indicate the number of people making use of this pharmaca was significant. We also know that even in the church, converts to the Christian faith included mothers and fathers who had aborted their children. Luke records the conversion of Simon Magus, 
showing that the New Testament church did not just include former fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, and swindlers, but also Magioi. As there were Magioi, so the church also included those who formerly had employed the Magioi, and thus were tempted to continue to employ their services. We have the historical record of Simon's temptation to continue his practice of magic, but we also have a New Testament record of the ongoing temptations of Christians to pay for those services, including pharmaca, used to murder their children. This explains Scripture's warnings not being limited to the practice of magic generally, but also pharmakeia specifically. New Christians had paid the so-called pharmacoi, but also doctors and midwives, all of whom commonly dispense pharmaca for the purpose of killing pre-born children. Following the practice of the pagans who were their neighbors, Christians made use of pharmacia and thus had to be warned against it by the apostle. But if with pharmacia we only think of a wizard in a pointy hat and miss the fact that abortion is a reality that often underlies the use of pharmacia, we do not fully grasp the weight of Scripture's condemnations. Consider Galatians 5, 19, verses 19 through 21. Quote, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, pernea, impurity, acatharsia, sensuality, asogeia, idolatry, idolatria, sorcery, pharmakeia, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God." Here, the first three terms pertain to sexual immorality of various sorts. The next term, idolatry, also has here a likely sexual component, given that pagan temple worship was often associated with sexual immorality. Next is pharmakeia, followed by seven terms that do not pertain to sexual immorality, but rather to, quote, relational, unquote, sins. Note the clear pattern and order of these terms. Where does pharmakeia fit in? It doesn't fit with the relational sins mentioned, such as jealousy, wrath, and ambition. But keeping in mind pharmakeia was employed for contraceptive and abortifacient purposes, its presence next to sexual sins is natural. For then, the apostle here condemns first the general category of impurity, pornea, then the specific manifestations of that impurity, adultery, and lasciviousness. Then idolatry, almost always at the core of sexual sin. And finally, the use of contraceptive abortifacient potions to destroy the evidence of these sins. 
All of the above opens up the nature of pharmakeia, and we now have some understanding why it is translated into English as, quote, sorcery, unquote. Killing the little one, bearing the image of God, safely nestled in his mother's womb, prevents the normal course of nature and thus defies our Creator, who himself gives life. The womb and safe delivery to his little ones. Consider also Revelation 9, verse 21, quote, And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries, and the Greek word there is pharmakeia, or their sexual immorality or their thefts, unquote. Here again, note pharmakeia is placed immediately between, quote, murders, unquote, and, quote, sexual immorality, unquote. Compare Revelation 21, verse 8, where again the pharmakoi are listed alongside, quote, murderers, unquote, the, quote, sexually immoral, unquote, and, quote, idolaters, unquote. Perhaps most revealing of the contraceptive and abortifacient nature of pharmakeia is evidence from contemporaneous, A.D. 50 to 100, Didache. In its second chapter, this most ancient of the non-canonical documents of the church forbids a number of what it calls, quote, grave sins, unquote. Quote, you shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not commit pederasty, you shall not commit fornication, pornusis, you shall not steal, you shall not practice magic, magusis, you shall not use potions, pharmacusis, you shall not murder a child by abortion, phonusis technon and pithora, nor kill after it is born, ganathen apoctanos, unquote. This passage is especially helpful because the terms we've been discussing are placed in close proximity, yet also distinguished. Megesis, quote, practice magic, unquote, refers to a broad array of occult practices. Phonusis technon and pathora and ganathen apoctanos, in the last two clauses, forbid respectively abortion and infanticide. But then, right between majusis and the mention of abortion and infanticide is pharmacusis. What does this mean? It could be another condemnation of, quote, sorcery, unquote, for instance, restating majusis, and yet no other sin is repeated in this list. There's little reason to take pharmacusis as synonymous with majusis, nor with the condemnations of abortion and infanticide that follow. The better choice exegetically is to understand this reference to pharmacusis to be the condemnation of any dispensing or use of the agents of a pharmacos denounced likewise in Revelation for contraceptive, abortifacient purposes. Such agents would generally have been in an occult 
context. Though Pharmacusis here condemns all uses, whether occult or not. Here, we've translated it, quote, use potions, unquote, and this is a good broad translation. What it condemns would then include, number one, chemical contraceptives, number two, abortion, whether chemical or surgical, and number three, incantations or other tools of an occult pharmacos. This understanding gives insight into the Didache's thought progression, knowing that practice magic, quote-unquote, majusice, could encompass giving of potions or poisons, abortion, and infanticide. What follows majusice could express a progression of time. Pharmacusice, indicating the first attempt to destroy the child, Phonusice, Technon, and Pythora, the abortifacient recourse when the pharmaca failed, and Gadathan, Apactanus, being the final solution. Or the continuum could express the ancient's awareness of the little one's development. The broad, mysterious Pharmacusice, representing the uncertainty of conception and how Pharmacaea functioned. Phonusis, Technon, and Pythora, making it clear that what was at issue was flesh and blood, a child, Technon. And he was being murdered. And finally, Gnathan Apoctanus showing the sin in all its nakedness. For the child had been born. As our awareness of our sin severity grows, so does the iniquity, if we follow through. The Didache's progression from magic to potions to abortion to infanticide recognizes this. Given how close the Didache is in date, vocabulary, and style to the New Testament, we should assume that the New Testament uses pharmakeia and related terms in a way similar to that found in the Didache. Thus, when Scripture condemns the use of pharmakeia, it is not simply sorcery as we understand it that's being condemned, but the related use of contraceptive abortifacient potions. Now do I sleep the sleep of death Have my day